You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Monday. We are back and doing it. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. Yes, we missed a day last week. No, I didn't do a Sunday episode like I planned on because that's life. Anyway, we are going to bring in Max Chadwick from PFF. It's been a long time coming to have Max on the show. It's been a long time since we've had PFF on the show after it was a weekly occurrence once upon a time. But Max, super excited to welcome you on. Thanks for coming, man. Of course, Isaiah. I was telling you before, man. I mean, uh, like I said, I'm a Penn State fan, unfortunately. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of Michigan f- fans that watch your podcast are going to love that. But whenever <laughs> I talk about Michigan, which is often because you guys are killing it right now, I always check out your stuff all the time. So talking to you right now is, is pretty awesome. As long as you're not like, I, now I remember going to, uh, my aunt and uncle lived in Eastern Pennsylvania for yeah. uh, while I was in college at Michigan. And uh, I didn't know that it was a rivalry, right? Like it's <laughs> like it, we didn't feel it in Ann Arbor. It was like generally we kind of were like, yeah, Penn State, you know, okay. I mean, <laughs> maybe not now, right? Like, right. It, probably a little less now, but like back in that era in the mid 2000s. And my aunt would introduce me to people and be like, yeah, he's uh, he's going to Michigan right now. And mm-hmm. they'd be like, I hate you with the fire of a th- thousand burning suns I'm like, where is this coming from i i love that and I, it reminds me i think it's mad men the show where someone comes up to don draper and they're like i hate you i feel like that's penn state fans to you guys and then don draper goes to them he's like i don't even know who you are that's <laughs> yeah, kind of that- how i feel you guys are with us where it's like we hate you in ohio state and you guys are like all right man you know like we we really care about each other like you're the little brother right now and yeah, that's kind of how we feel about it right now. It's like, oh, we can't stand Michigan. We can't stand Ohio State. And you guys are just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> that's that's well, fine. A little less so now, I think. Uh, we, we spend a lot of time on the show. I, I No offense, but I spend a lot of time talking about how a lot of the Penn State of it all is, because every year it's, well, Michigan's going to fall off, right? Like, this is probably right. the first time that that hasn't been the case. And uh, in a long time, because it's always like no matter who Michigan's bringing back, it's like, well, Michigan's clearly going to go seven and five. And even if Mm -hmm. Penn State went seven and five the year before, it's like, well, they're going to be amazing. They're probably going to win the national championship. (laughs) And it's like, why? So there's a lot of frustration. This is why I think it is more of a rivalry here now is because I think fans are really frustrated with the perception of both programs. But Mm. we're not going to talk about Penn State. We'll leave that for another day. We'll leave that closer to the season. Um, let's, let's discuss, uh, you said Michigan is, as you said, killing it lately. Mm. Give me, especially as someone that is both a Penn state fan, but more importantly, someone who spends their living analyzing what college football teams are doing. What, what do you see from this Michigan football program? If you were to kind of tell someone who knows what college football is, maybe they stepped away from the sport for 10, 15 years and you're trying to give them an explanation of what Michigan is in your eyes, what is that pitch? So the pitch I would say for Michigan is just like the talent development. I think that Jim Harbaugh and the staff have been doing have been unbelievable. And and the talent retention, too. I mean, Blake Corum was, in my opinion, one of the best players in college football last season. He would have been a second-round pick. He ended up not declaring for the draft, which is a shock to me and a bunch of other people. Goes back to school. I think right now, I mean, it's going to be a hot take because Georgia obviously is the reigning back-to-back national champions. I think Michigan is the best roster in college football. 
heading into next season. I mean, look at every single position. Michigan has probably a top 10 player in almost every single position in college football and is is pretty ridiculous. And not only that, I mean, you look at the recruiting right now, Jaden Davis, they got the commitment from one of the top five quarterbacks in the 2024 class. And then Bryce Underwood, they're heavily favored to get right now, who's the number one quarterback in the 2025 recruiting class. So even when we're talking about JJ McCarthy eventually moving on, which might not even be this year, they still have guys like Jaden Davis and Bryce Underwood potentially uh, to continue that. I think Jim Harbaugh, I mean, the only thing that could slow down this Michigan train right now is the NFL eventually taking Jim Harbaugh, which hasn't happened yet, and I don't know if he wants it to happen. So that's the only thing I can see this slowing down. But right now, Michigan, they're the team to beat in the Big Ten, not Ohio State anymore. It, it is Michigan now. See, that that's where I feel a little leery, right? I, then maybe it's partially, and I, I spoke about it on a Saturday's podcast, this, this idea of, well, you know, I, I went to Michigan in from 2000, well, 1999 to 2000 and 2004 through 2008. Uh, so the final season was 2007. So I was kind of accustomed in general growing up to this idea that Michigan is this force in college football. They're going to beat most of the teams that they face. I grew up in an era in which they beat better Ohio State teams regularly, regularly so much that I didn't even know it was a rivalry. Um, and, uh, really the only concern for me was Michigan state, which for whatever reason, lesser Michigan state teams would rise up and beat Michigan, uh, every now and again. And then 2007 happened. And obviously I saw, so thankfully I was out of town. I was in Las mm-hmm. Vegas when the app state game happened. All right. <laughs> the, the big 10 network was not in Las Vegas at that mm-hmm. time. So, cause it was the first ever game. So I didn't get to see any of that. Uh, I just heard about it ad nauseum from the uh, the girl wearing an Ohio State shirt that was in front of me on the plane uh, back home. But ever since that moment, it's like anytime Michigan has expectations, they tend to fall short. Now, 2022 is kind of the only year in which that hasn't happened, right? Because no one expected 2021. I mean, I think us in Ann Arbor and generally in, in that we're covering Michigan uh, expected Michigan to be a lot better than people thought people were saying they'll be lucky to win a bowl game. A lot of us were looking at more of a nine and three type season and end up being uh, 12 and two last season. You know, we all, all pretty much looked at it and said, they're going to be at Ohio state. They're going to, they're going to do that again, all of that. And they actually did, but there's still something inside of me that is like now, especially now that I look at it and say, Michigan should probably run the table again. Uh, and the not in the regular season schedule, uh, they should win the Big Ten again and go to the college football playoff again, and then who knows after that. But there's a big part inside of me that says, "No, you remember all those other times when you expected really good things and they didn't happen." Mm-hmm. Tell me why you think that I am crazy to have that feeling. So, I I think like I mentioned before, I think right now, I mean, back, they made back to back playoff appearances. Um, usually you say, oh, they're going to do it again. What makes me confident that they will actually do it again and win the Big Ten, and I personally think they're going to win it all next year. I don't, I'm not, I don't knock on one for your listeners right now. I do think Michigan is a team to beat next year, not Georgia. I would say it's because everyone is back. You know, it's just like you, you've seen this team succeed before, and they didn't lose that many, like, superstars. Obviously, they, they lost some key players from last year's team, but they bring back a lot of that core that you really need 
uh, in college football. That veteran presence is there. They got J.J. McCarthy returning quarterback, obviously. They got probably the best backfield in the country between Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. The offensive line, even though they lose some pieces, is still one of the best in the country. They got a huge transfer coming in, and Drake Nugent, who I think is the best center in college football. So the offensive line is going to be just as dominant. Uh, and then the defense obviously brings back a, a ton of really key pieces as well. They got Rod Moore at safety coming back. I think Will Johnson is a top three corner in the country. He is an absolute superstar. I'm um, going to be a probably top five pick in the 2025 draft when he comes out. And they have so many players on both sides of the ball. They also have Jim Harbaugh, obviously a head coach. Why I'm really starting to believe now is a top three to four head coach in college football. So yeah, I mean, you know, Georgia is obviously the back-to-back champs, but they are replacing some key players. Justin Bennett's gone. Jalen Carter is gone. They lose some other guys as well. And obviously they've lost a ton of guys from the, the previous team. They still won the national championship, but I think Michigan bringing back all those guys. And it's really the same core as last year. It's really like, okay, they all have to regress in order for Michigan to regress as a team. It's not as much, Oh, you're breaking in new players and maybe they won't live up to the highs that the previous ones did because Michigan's bringing back pretty much everybody. All right. Well, that is, you heard it here the same way from Max Chadwick. As we used to hear from Anthony Treesh, you would say, <laughs> Anthony Treesh would come on this show and say things that you know, you'd go on the YouTube comments in particular. We don't have, if there's commenting systems on podcasts other than the video, I don't know about it. Thank the heavens because <laughs> it, I don't need to be reading. I try to avoid the YouTube comments even on my, uh, you know, even though those are there for me. Right. Um, but he he would come on and say things like in 2021, Michigan's going to beat Wisconsin and Michigan fans and certainly rival fans would be on there like, yeah, right. Wisconsin is so good because they get that same treatment every year. Like Wisconsin's going to they're going to come out of the West and maybe they'll even win the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And that happened. And then at some point, kind of midseason, Anthony Tree said Michigan's going to win the Big Ten. And people are like, yeah, right. <laughs> So you're, you're, you're following along in a storied tradition on this show of PFF analysts coming on and let's just, let's just face it, spitting facts, speaking truth. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're, let's talk about a little bit of the, the players individually here. We're going to do that in a moment though. Uh, and uh, I do want to continue this in, a, in just a second before we do that. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, there's no better place to play uh, bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Listen, there's great promotions every day. It's a safe and secure app. You can get paid instantly. There's so many great benefits to FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash on. And get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. That's FanDuel.com slash lockdown. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I, I don't know if you you know this. I'm sure there's a lot of people that that don't. There there are platforms out there that are not ad supported of the Lockdown Wolverines mm-hmm. podcast. And if I have a very clumsy handoff, like people who listen to the ad supported and the non ad supported version that that's because I realized that there has to be a cutoff point instead of just this nice natural transition. It's real fun. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into some individual players because Michigan, like, like you mentioned a few of them, JJ McCarthy, Will Johnson, uh, out of Ev- Drake Nugent. I do want to talk about him in a moment as well. 
But mm-hmm. if you had to pick one Michigan player that stands above the rest, who would it be entering this season and why? So I, uh, I, I put out an article that everyone hated except for people who lived in Ann Arbor. And it was, the article was titled, this is why Blake Horam deserves the Heisman Trophy. And I thought Blake Horam was the best player in college football last year. If I had a Heisman vote, he would have gotten it. This is the second straight year I think a Michigan player deserved the Heisman Trophy and didn't get it. it obviously, Aiden Hutchinson the year before. Uh, Blake Corum broke the record for PFF for the highest-graded Power 5 player ever in, in a single season since we started doing this in 2014. He had a 96.2 grade last season, which beats out Kyle Pitts, Chase Young, and Quinnen Williams. All three of them had a 96 grade, and obviously all three of them ended up being top five picks. Blake Corum won't be a top five pick because he does play running back, of course, uh, but he is still an absolute superstar. And that's what I was mentioning before when he was that good. And obviously the injury at the end kind of killed Michigan, but when he was that good and then uh, he comes back to school, that is saying a lot. And I think he, I think he's like 30 to one to win the Heisman next year, which I think is insane. You know, he's like tied for 16th in odds or something like that. Uh, he's if you have uh, if you like gambling, I, I would put some money on Blake Corn because I think he's gonna be the engine once again for that Michigan offense. And of course, he's gonna probably split a little bit of time with Donovan Edwards. But Blake Corum, I think, is, is one of the best players in college football, and he's definitely the best running back in college football. I thought he was robbed of being a Heisman finalist, robbed of the Doak Walker Award, even though Bijan Robinson was phenomenal last season. I thought Blake Corum was the best running back in college football, and he would have gotten my Heisman vote, like I said. So that's the guy where it's like. That's your star player. He's coming back too. Uh, so I think he's a top high, top three, probably Heisman candidate next year, not getting nearly enough love that he deserves. Now we, uh, we speak, spoke uh, on the, on one of the shows earlier this week, I believe it was Saturday uh, about the idea of Michigan having a high profile running game. While maybe like if I like, ups expanding that pass game a little mm-hmm. bit, obviously you got JJ McCarthy entering year three, uh, we saw some different things from him. Um, we've seen other programs being able to run the ball kind of in a similar fashion to what Michigan did last year while also having high-profile pass games. Uh, I went over a, uh, a series of stats of the last, uh, essentially, uh, 15 national champions. The only team that wasn't generally eclipsing what Michigan's current single-season passing record is uh, which was 3,331 yards completed by uh, John Navarro in 2003, uh, have been a couple of those mid-2010 Alabama teams. Otherwise, everyone's well eclipsed that, and you look at some of those other, a lot of those teams, they're still running the football kind of with a similar clip to what we saw Michigan do. Uh, so with that in mind, should Michigan expand the pass game, and what have you seen from J.J. McCarthy that tells you yes or no? Yeah, I think I think the run game obviously should still be the bread and butter of that offense, especially when you have two top 10 running backs in the country coming back to school and Blake Corman, Donovan Edwards, who, you know, Edwards, I honestly, when, when Corman announced he was coming back, I it, back in my head, I was saying to myself, there's a chance Edwards might transfer now because Edwards is one of the best running backs in the country and would have been one of the best running backs in the draft as well uh, in 2024. And, and I was talking to, to Dave so far, who, you know, of course, big Michigan guy. He's like, no, man, that guy bleeds blue. Uh, so I, you know, good for him that Michigan brought both of those guys back, but JJ McCarthy, I like a lot. I've seen some first round hype for him in 2024. I'm not quite there yet, uh, but he is a really talented quarterback. Obviously a former highly rated recruit coming out of high school, excellent outside of structure, 
uh, is actually five touchdowns outside of structure, trailed only Caleb Williams, Drake May, and uh, Bryce Young among Power 5 quarterbacks. So this is a guy who obviously loves to create plays on his own. He was inconsistent last year, for sure. Obviously, that TCU game threw a couple pick sixes, but also like that game really showed the roller coaster that is J.J. McCarthy because you say, oh, the guy tossed two pick sixes in a playoff game. You're like, oh, he lost the game for him. It's like, no, he actually played pretty well in that game outside of those two plays. So he's kind of a roller coaster still. Hopefully he kind of reigns it in a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's why I think they're going to rely on the run game, let J.J. maybe develop a little bit more as a passer. And I know a lot of Michigan fans are expecting him to leave after this year. I'm kind of thinking maybe he comes back for his senior year when Corum and potentially both Corum and Edwards leave. And then JJ could really take over as the guy in the Michigan offense and not just the quarterback that hands the ball off to Blake Corman, Donovan Edwards most of the time. So yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of expecting maybe it could be four years that we save JJ McCarthy instead of just this being his last season. I've been saying that for some time and it's largely just because I think he's that type of dude that would, that, right. that is, is, I don't think he's got his eyes on like the NFL being his primary goal. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, Going through the journey, I think, is a big part, and I think that that's a that's a big thing. Uh, Drake Nugent, you said that he, in your your eyes, he is the best center in the country. That is some very very high praise. I've been saying that he's going to be somewhere between what Andrew Vistardis was two years ago and Olu Oluwatimi. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, if you say that he's the best center in the country, that might that might be a lot better than what I'm thinking. So we haven't seen him yet, right? Like, because he, he's right. been at Stanford, he uh, was precluded from the spring game with an injury. So tell us a little bit about what you have seen from Drake Nugent that brings you to that conclusion. So I think it's, I should say this first. So I put out my top 10 interior offensive lineman in the country returning to school, and he was number six. He was the number one center on that list, but he was number six. So in terms of interior offensive lineman, it really is, ton of great guards coming back and center is a little bit of a weaker position with that being said though i do think nugent is the best one coming back to school uh he's the most valuable and we have a wins above average stat at pff if any of you follow like baseball like that think of it as a kind of like a war stat you know wins above replacement we have that for college football and nfl he's the most valuable returning center in the power five and this is another reason why i think michigan's bread and butter is still gonna be a run game because drake nugent is a people mover in the run game. He had an 84.1 run blocking grade was third among all centers in the country last season. So, you know, Dave Safaro again, likes to always say a gap, B gap for Michigan. That's going to be very alive and well next year with Drake Nugent creating holes. And it's kind of scary when the Outland trophy winner leaves. And like you said, although the and then if they bring in the best center in the country to replace him. So yeah, that's why I think Michigan's two time defending Joe Moore award winning off as a line. Maybe it could be three times because they have some studs, especially along the interior between obviously Zach Zinter, of course, too, who I think is a top three interior offensive lineman in the country and Drake Nugent, who I think is best center in the country. So, yeah, that interior of the offensive line for Michigan should be very, very good next year. And of course, Henderson too, the uh, Arizona State transfer uh, coming in, too. But yeah, that uh, that offensive line is going to be really good next year. Yeah, and I think that that's I've seen a few, very, very few. I mean, honestly, like. I, I can't even remember, but it was one of some of those ones there. So, well, the offensive line is going to take a big step back. I don't see it given, mm-hmm. again, uh, you know, it's the, as of the returning guys who were already in Ann Arbor. Because remember, they lost two, two players to the draft. Olu, right. as well as Ryan Hayes. For the other three positions, they have six guys who have started uh, those three positions. And then Jeff Percy, who's also started left tackle. 
It's it's embarrassment of riches to say the least of what there is there. All right, I know I'm keeping you really long. Uh, I hope I hope that you don't mind because I do want to ask no, a little it. bit about the defense. So let's do that as well. So who obviously like you mentioned Will Johnson. I was going to just say who and, and give me your estimation, but I do want to I do want to ask about Chris Jenkins because Chris Jenkins. Yes is getting a lot of pub. He's getting that same kind of bump that Mozzie got last mm-hmm. year. Uh, the same kind of pub that Aiden Hutchinson got the year before that. Where, where do you see, uh, how do you see Chris Jenkins' evolution over the course of uh, his career and how it culminates into this year and how that impacts the front for the Michigan defense? Yeah. So like I mentioned before, I'm, I met, I've ranked at every position, the top 10 returners. And I had Chris Jenkins as the number four returning defensive tackle in college football. I mean, he is one of the best run stuffers in college football. He had uh, the 31 run defense stops this past season, which were tied for the most in the country among all defensive tackles. Uh, Like I said, he's a dominant run stuffer in the middle of Michigan's defense. And yeah, Mozzie Smith, obviously the athletic profile is ridiculous for Mozzie. I don't think Chris Jenkins is nearly the athlete that Mozzie Smith is, but he's still a really good football player. And, I think he is one of the top defensive tackles, not only in college football, but a guy to watch next year in the 2024 draft too is, you know, a, you know, run defense maybe isn't as important to the NFL nowadays with how pass happy the game is getting, but you still need some really good run stuffers in the middle of your defense uh, to make up for it. If you're going to have so many defensive backs and, and not as many linebackers on the field as well. So that's a guy like Chris Jenkins. He's going to fill that role in the NFL where he just stuffs a couple gaps in there and, I think, yeah, Chris Jenkins is, is one of the best run defenders in college football. Uh, so let's just let's just touch every level briefly on the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the, the the secondary momentarily, but what one area that do, hasn't wasn't getting the same kind of love in the top ten returning players rankings for Michigan compared to the others, right? Because you had Chris Jenkins. Uh, certainly, there's some guys that uh, that we think could end up in that list uh, by the end of the year. Uh, b- between Braden McGregor or, you know, Derek Moore, Josiah Stewart. Uh, secondary, you, you had Will Johnson and Rod Moore in there. Uh, but uh, the, the the linebacking core does not really, that was not getting as much love. But so what do you what do you see from Michigan's linebackers? Obviously, there's a lot returning. They've added Ernest Hausman from Nebraska. Uh, you you would, have, would have seen him a little bit more than Michigan fans outside of the spring game. What do you mm-hmm. think of what the linebackers are at this moment for the Wolverines? So, yeah, you mentioned I didn't have any linebackers in the top 10. I could tell you right now that two of them were like maybe 11 and 12, honestly, when looking at it. It was very difficult to leave out. Not only Junior Colson, who I know a lot of Michigan fans love, super athletic linebacker, love how he flies around the field. But the other one who I love, too, is Michael Barrett. You know, he's a guy that I think is very underrated on Michigan's defense, and he's a phenomenal player. Uh, especially as a pass rusher and coverage too, Michael Barrett. Whereas I think Junior Colson more is a, a dominant run defender. I think Barrett is is a lot better in, in pass rushing and coverage situations. So yes, I didn't have any Michigan linebackers crack the top ten, but that's not saying they don't have a good linebacking core because I think both Junior Colson and Michael Barrett, and of course Ernest Hausman too, that's still maybe the best linebacking core in the Big Ten right now and one of the best in the country as well. So yeah, even though I didn't rank any of them. I will say that both Junior Colson and Michael Barrett were just outside the top ten of that list. Well, that that I'm sure is going to at least alleviate some. No, I won't, don't want to say fears. I don't think anyone's really fearing it. But at least I I always say you have to have a, a dominant linebacking core in order to win a national championship. Uh, you see it almost every year. 
And mm. that hasn't been an area that Michigan's necessarily recruited those elite, elite guys, right? They, even though Junior Colson was a four-star, Devin Bush was a four-star to most, but I think a three-star to uh, one or two of the recruiting services at that time. They aren't mm-hmm. bringing in the those five-star linebackers, so that they need four-star guys to at play like five stars and three-star guys to play like four stars in order to to get there. All right. Lastly, uh, let's let's discuss the secondary. Uh, Rod Moore and Will Johnson, like you mentioned, Will Johnson is being a a top three corner. I mean, he only really got six games ish worth of play last year. How confident are you that that is going to extrapolate or even pro- uh, progress this next year? Oh, I I am all in on the Will Johnson hype train right now. I mean, yes, you mentioned he kind of only played around the six games of that season, but what he showed when he played was everything he was hyped up to be in more. I mean, remember, he's a top 20 recruit coming out of high school, and even a top 20 recruit is probably too harsh based off what he showed as a true freshman. I mean, he was absolutely locked down this past season. Uh, he's got great tools. He's he's extremely fluid for a bigger corner. He is six foot two. And to me, when I watch his tape, it's going to be a lofty comparison because he's arguably one of the top, he is one of the top two corners in the NFL right now. I see a lot of Patrick Sertan in this guy's game, you know, where he's a bigger corner, extremely fluid. Uh, Will Johnson led all corners in the power five this past season with a 91.1 grade in man coverage. So this guy is a man corner, getting an extremely impressive rep against Quentin Johnston uh, in that playoff game. And I wish they put him on Quentin Johnston a little bit more in that playoff game, honestly. Uh, but what he showed on tape all year, he had obviously a couple of interceptions in the Big Ten Championship game as well. I think Will Johnson, I ranked him number three right now. He could be the number one corner in the country when it's all said and done after the season. And I think he is a special player. And I, I did a way to, I did an all eligible mock draft, basically saying if everybody in college football is eligible, where would they be picked? Will Johnson was the number one corner taken in that mock draft. So I have very high hopes. It is, it is pretty terrifying for the rest of the Big Ten that this guy has two more years of school. That I think uh, you know, they couldn't happen to a better kid, too. You know, he's, yeah. you know, a legacy. He's very soft spoken. And it's just, it's, it's, having something, you know, known him since he was a lot of freshman in high school. To see that emergence, you, you never know, right? You never mm-hmm. know when you cover recruiting uh, that way if a, a guy's going to turn into that. Uh, lastly, Rod Moore, you, he did make your list. He's a guy that Jim Harbaugh said that if he would have, because he was a three-star coming out of uh, high school in Ohio, didn't have that Ohio State offer, but Jim Harbaugh said that if he would have uh, stayed in school, because he's young, he would have stayed in school mm-hmm. one other year and uh, and graduated with the rest of his age group, he would have been a five-star. I don't know what you see from him exactly, but uh, g- give us your rundown of whether you think that that's true or like how you see Rod Moore and what, what made him enter into your top 10, I believe it was number five of your returning safeties. Yeah. Yes. He was number five. And yeah, I think that's fair from Jim Harbaugh. And I think Rod Moore, you can make the argument. He's probably the most well-rounded safety in college football coming back. I mean, he was on one of only two safeties in the power five this past season who had 80 plus grades, both in coverage and as a run defender. And the other one uh, who was the other power five safety who had 80 plus grades both in both aspects was Brian Branch, who ended up being a day two pick in the NFL draft. I thought he should have been a top 15 pick, honestly, in the NFL draft I'm on the Detroit Lions now. Uh, so I'm sure Michigan fans will be very familiar with him very soon. But uh, yeah, Rod Moore, I think, is just an all around stud on Michigan's defense. And he's a guy that, you know, I don't think he's getting enough love on that Michigan defense, honestly. Obviously, Will Johnson is a superstar. They got some other guys in that Michigan defense as well. I think Rod Moore is just that 
very safe safety, honestly. And he just never really screws up in any aspect of the game. So run defending coverage, usually you see safeties excel in one of those areas. Rod Moore excels in both of them, which makes him, I think, a top five safety in the country. Well, Max, believe it or not, this is the first time that uh, out of all of the great PFF uh, personalities, but we've had so many of them that, you know, current former guys, you know, ranging from Austin Gale to we've Anthony Trish has been a mainstay, Seth Galena. You're the first one that we've gone the distance with. Maybe part of that is my <laughs> own selfishness that I didn't want to let you go after two segments like I normally would. And but you went the distance. So thanks for joining, man. Very, very excited about it. I, dude, I, I really appreciate you having me on. You you cover Michigan football probably better than anyone I know, obviously. And and Dave so far, I know, is really appreciative of you too. So I, I really appreciate you having me on. Well, absolutely. I hope, hopefully we'll make this a regular deal as we get closer to the season and in season. So uh, come back anytime. And uh, so for, for Max Chadwick over at PFF, I'm Isaiah Hole. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for watching and or listening. Peace.